Welcome to DreamWorks Versus, the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. And I'm Heather. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. What we do is, on this show, we nerd out, we debate, we discuss, we argue about our favorite DreamWorks movies and decide which ones are better than the other ones. Uh, So, I don't know if you've heard, but it, it probably isn't in the news, but... Disney Versus has been canceled. We're absorbing them. And uh, we're just going to continue our show as normal. Uh, We wish them the best of luck. Uh, Their show was good, but ours will continue on. I didn't know this, but I'm super excited. The next uh, DreamWorks movie that we have coming out is How to Train Your Dragon 3. What? It's coming out March 1st of next year. Woo! I'm wondering what it's actually going to be about between you know how to train your dragon one how to train your dragon two and all of the content that we've had from uh, netflix mm-hmm. and cartoon network because they're about i want to say 12 seasons of dragon stuff going on right now mm-hmm. probably yeah have y'all seen the other stuff the other content no me either I think it was on Cartoon Network, like, right after the first one came out. And I was like, great, that looks great. But I don't want to watch it because mm-hmm. I was off of Cartoon Network by that point and in college. And it was, like, Dragon Races or something, yeah. right? I mean, the idea was dope in the second one because that's how they opened the movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I wasn't about it. I don't know if you guys noticed, but um, the Oscars happened a couple weeks ago. And mm-hmm. Boss Baby was nominated and unfortunately, it lost to Coco, which that was a thing. Damn you, Whatever. Disney! I mean, it was, it was, it was okay. On the back of uh, Boss Baby and everything, they have. I think they're they've already greenlit Boss Baby two, so I wonder what that's gonna look like. Fantastic! Ooh. Ooh. So glad that's getting a sequel. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I don't know how long I can keep this up, so should we drop the charade? Yeah. Happy April Fools! Happy <laughs> April Fools! This whole episode is a joke. So we are obviously huge Disney fans, but that doesn't discount um, our enjoyment of other animated films as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a few different DreamWorks movies today. Um, kind of take a detour from Disney Versus because... It's April Fool's, so why not? We are going to talk about the good, the bad, the what the fuck, and the underrated that comes from the world of DreamWorks because they have some gems. They have some bona fide gems in their um, filmography. They have a lot of crap. They have some question marks. And they have some turds that could be shined up to look like something else. (laughs) So... We're going to sure, talk about sure. those. Uh, we have, we're not going to geek out about all of them because I don't pay attention to DreamWorks as much as Disney, but DreamWorks actually has, including uh, Captain Underpants, the most recent release of theirs, they have 35 films under their belt. <laughs> Three of them were productions from uh, Ardman Studios which did uh, Chicken Run, Wallace and Dromit, and uh, yeah. Flushed Away. But they have 35 
Pixar only has 19, mm-hmm. including Coco. And I was like, mm-hmm. shit. I can't DreamWorks believe. has some output. I can't believe mm-hmm. Pixar has 19 now. That's crazy. And with uh, Incredibles 2, that'll be 20 this year. So. They can almost legally drink. <laughs> they can legally vote. Yeah, go vote. DreamWorks can legally run for president. Please run for president. <laughs> Just some quick history on uh, the DreamWorks animation studio. Um, it was founded in uh, 1994 by former disney executive jeffrey katzenberg after the release of the lion king jeffrey katzenberg left disney went on to found dreamworks with steven spielberg and david geffen a uh, music producer and if you look at dreamworks the logo it says dreamworks s k g that stands for spielberg katzenberg and geffen their highest grossing film to date has been shrek 2 which grossed $920 $920 million. I thought you were just calling it gross for a minute there. And I was like, no. whoa. That's harsh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that tracks because it's Shrek. Uh, it, it, uh, it's so it's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Their highest rated movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is How to Train Your Dragon. And according to Metacritic, their highest rated movie is Chicken Run. They have 18 Oscar nominations. And they have three wins with Best Original Song for Prince of Egypt, Best Animated Feature for Wallace and Gromit in 2005, and in 2001, Shrek was actually the first winner of Best Animated Feature. Mm, Yeah. Giving the biggest middle finger to Disney. (laughs) Like, Disney rules the category now, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't always like that. Actually, Mm -hmm. it actually has always been like that. They just weren't first. Yeah. Oh, well. Shrek was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Cool shit. Yeah. Do we want to get into the uh, discussion of the movies that we've selected? Yeah. Let's talk about the good first. So initially, Tori created a bracket, a 16 movie bracket. Using my degree in bracketology to the fullest potential. (laughs) Right. I created so many brackets for this show. Um, Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of shit on here that we didn't want to watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> or we didn't have time to watch. Yeah, or that. That's... But the things, there are a couple movies on this list that for me really stand out as some of the best animated movies up there with any Pixar or any Disney movie. Um, and those are Shrek and How to Train Your Dragon. Um, How to Train Your Dragon is still one of my favorite animated movies if i had to pick between how to train your dragon and something like wally it's it's a really hard pick for me and then shrek i think is just such a iconic look into pop culture um it's a snapshot in pop culture for that time and it does such a great job of unapologetically speaking to both kids and adults um oh yeah with frequently with the same joke yeah i think it speaks to mostly adults Mm -hmm. than kids i remember loving it as a kid and then like really appreciating it more as an adult when i was able to like really catch on to like what all was going on like they are not nearly as subtle in shrek and i was probably just a really oblivious child who knows but they're not nearly as subtle in shrek as they 
can be in some of the, like the Disney movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Shrek is Family Guy in some aspects, and well, let me not say that about Shrek. I'll save mm-hmm. that for later. Um, but I like how I remember first time I saw Shrek. I like how it subverted a lot of Disney's tropes, mm-hmm. like the whole uh, True Love's First Kiss, yeah, and Happily Ever After, and princes and princesses. Like the whole scene where um, Princess Fiona is singing to the bird, and the mm-hmm. bird's singing back, yeah, and the bird just fucking explodes because it's singing too high a note, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a straight jab at Snow White. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the magic mirror, uh, Lord Farquaad using the magic mirror as uh-huh. yeah for picking princess <laughs> or as a, as a dating game. There mm-hmm. we go. Yeah, That's what I was looking for. I just love the subversion of tropes that it does. And then I agree with you on uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I think How to Tra- I agree that How to Train Your Dragon is probably the best that DreamWorks has put out as far as you know animation goes. With the first one and the second one, with animation and just the heart that's in the film, like the character in the film, Hiccup's arc mm-hmm. is, it's very real mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's very uh, It's memorable. relatable and memorable. and Yeah, and it's not even the most unique story. I think the idea of coming of age story, going against what your family has expected of you since you were born... That is not mm-hmm. a unique trope, um, but putting it into a dragon village, that is. That's, a, that's an interesting way of telling the story. For me, I remember I have a very vivid memory of packing up my dorm room as an RA for the summer and listening to this in the hallway, um, oh, yeah. listening to the so- soundtrack. Like I have always loved the soundtrack, and I was watching it last night, and... Um, and the soundtrack is still, is so powerful for me. And of course, anytime you listen to a piece more than once, you'll kind of, it's like muscle memory. You'll learn how things affect, um, the movie or you'll learn how they affect you or the anticipation of certain chords makes it all the more enjoyable. And for me, this, I I mean, the moment when Hiccup cuts toothless loose and you have this like really subtle the subtle theme um that transitions into a really intense like almost scary theme to me Mm -hmm. that's one of the most memorable moments of the movie and then in the same light when hiccup first gets to touch toothless that moment is pure release you see hiccup physically just kind of fall in on himself from releasing tension but there's no audible noise from him it's all done in his visual movement and then in the music and that to me Mm -hmm. is just that's great cinema that's beautiful and something i don't think we see very often i agree and one of one of my favorite moments is actually when um hiccup spoilers finds out that he basically has a peg leg mm-hmm. and uh the reason why that's one of my favorite parts is because uh the music cuts straight to a piano version of the main of the main theme mm-hmm. and like i love piano renditions of stuff and so and so that automatically is just kind of like an up for me but the fact that it's like you see you see and you can also feel that just like 
oh you know of yeah. like of him suddenly not having a fucking foot mm-hmm. you know and so and then you see and then you see uh both him and toothless like walking toward the door and toothless helping him walk because he's not used to walking on a peg leg mm-hmm. and the music is gorgeous with that scene and it all fits so well and the piano music just like really enhances the fact that okay so yes that happened but yes they're going to be able to get through it and also they're both missing a body part on the same side Mm -hmm. of their body kind of thing like it was it was a lot i look for that in the soundtrack every time i think one thing that we don't see as often in animation is when film critics and people in the industry talk about what makes a great actor frequently something that comes up is how much can they convey without saying a word how much Mm -hmm. does their body language how much do their minor facial movements um how much does breath convey to the audience for that moment Mm -hmm. without ever saying a word and this film in particular um and and a lot of it comes through toothless too those two moments with hiccup um, where mm-hmm. he's not saying anything. He doesn't comment on his leg at all, but you see all of the emotions that are going through his head about being surprised that Toothless is in his house. Um, he has that conversation, but then realizing the gravity of the situation, and but also being extremely thankful for the fact that if he has a peg leg and Toothless is in side indoors then those two things cannot be a coincidence those things had to be allowed and made to work right. together and all of that goes across his face yeah and that whole range of emotion and that's that's really that's really impressive that is what we would consider great acting um if it was in if it wasn't animated yeah i think the only thing he says is thanks buddy whenever like they're actively walking to the door it's just like <gasps> yeah you know it gets dusty Mm-hmm. It gets so dusty. Yeah. <laughs> My list of goods. I have um, the Prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. which uh, I think it's not talked about enough. Yeah, it's I definitely mean, yes. one of the goods and also underrated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, sim- the story is simply the story of Moses. It's mm-hmm. the story of the Exodus. I know. I remember growing up. I grew up in church. So I remember watching this a lot when I was a kid. Is your name Quasimodo? What? Because you, gr- you grew up in church. Anyway, bad joke. Continue. Very bad joke. <laughs> I didn't appreciate the animation and the, like, the crafts work of this movie until I was older because there's some sequences that are just a great marriage of computer animation and mm-hmm. hand-drawn. Oh, yeah. Like the burning mm-hmm. bush scene, the uh, parting of the Red Sea, the fire tornado while they're crossing the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. It's just so... Uh, for that time, it's very pretty to look at. And it holds up, too. Like, it's yeah. not bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Again, like we like to talk about, the music is just so great. It's a Hans Zimmer score, and you can tell because there's, mm-hmm. it gives such gravity to the scenes, and it gives it adds so much to the emotions of the scenes. Like when Moses originally runs away from Egypt, and then uh, the parallel at the end of the movie, spoilers, when he has to mm-hmm. leave his brother stranded in the middle of 
um, you know, the Red Sea on a rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is kind of like a Disney movie in how it has multiple songs throughout the film. Uh, my favorite score is the uh, instrumental uh, for um, the plagues because it's just so yeah. raw. There mm-hmm. are a lot of raw moments to that um, to that scene and the, like it's a, the, to that scene and that song. And I think the the music in this really does uh, a lot to help the film along. And something that we really haven't talked about is um, the vocal performances yeah. of some of these actors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Something that DreamWorks does that has been criticized by critics and mm-hmm. by me mm-hmm. is that they get um, they get big names to do these voices as opposed to great character actors they use the they use the celebrities behind the voice Mm -hmm. to be the draw whereas they let the story and what it's all about be the selling point so you have you know val kilmer as moses you have ray fines who many people know as voldemort Mm -hmm. as ramses and you have you know jeff goldblum sandra bullock all these big names Right. And they do great jobs mm-hmm. at bringing these biblical characters to life. And I, right. wow, I felt really cliche for using bringing to life. <laughs> but they do a really good job in their roles. That's that's true. I think I was watching, I mean, Boss Baby for sure had some noticeable voices. How to Train Your Dragon has, I'm looking at it now, I knew it th- that it had Gerard Butler um, but there were a couple other people that I was like, I recognize that. Who is that? I would say that Gerard Butler is the biggest name in the How to Train Your Dragon cast because before oh, How yeah. to Train Your Dragon, I couldn't Jonah tell you Hill. who Jay Baruchel was. Jonah Hill. And then Jonah Hill. Was one that America I America right. Ferreira as Astrid. And then um, I thought Kristen Wiig also. Kristen, Kristen Wiig? Wiig's in the... S- no, no, she's she's in she's rough nut and she's rough nut or tough nut. I yeah, remember. she's rough nut. Um, and then I thought I heard, I think I was getting Jonah Hill confused with, um, McLovin. The, no, the voice of Olaf. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. When I was hearing it, I was like, I'm not sure that that's Josh Gad, but it's so familiar. What is that? And that's exactly what it was. These people are these people are stars now, but they weren't stars when the first one came out because, like we said, you have Gerard Butler, who was a star already because of Three Hundred. Mm-hmm. Jay Baruchel was um, a big supporting actor in, you know, a lot of Judd Apatow movies, and then you have Kristen Wiig, uh, Jonah Hill, McLovin. Uh, I forget what his actual name is. Um, yeah, you have T.J. Miller. Is he in this? McLevin? Yeah. What? McLevin is um, Fish Legs. Yeah, I was going to say, he's the stats guy. Oh! Huh. Okay, interesting. And then America Ferreira is uh, Astrid. So you have a lot of a lot of low-key people who do great jobs in their performances. And it's one of the rare moments where um, the big names, like they had, they got names that weren't big then, but they're big now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Another good one that I have is the whole Kung Fu Panda trilogy, because, mm-hmm. like, I don't think it gets enough love because I watched I watched Kung Fu Panda th- three, thinking it was going to be awful, mm-hmm. 
but I was pleasantly surprised at how um, even it was. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, it was a fairly decent story. I don't think I've really given the Kung Fu Panda trilogy like a fair shot because I wasn't really interested to see it to begin with. And then the only time I've seen it really was when we were, I think, I think we put it on while I was like student teaching or something. Mm-hmm. And so like I was like halfway paying attention, but not really, it hasn't really like a, like att- attracted my attention. Like some of these other movies have, but I've only heard good things. It's just, I haven't really like me personally. I don't really know what it is, but I haven't really been like super interested. And I, I say that cause there aren't many, um, there aren't many animation trilogies that I can think of mm-hmm. that number one, I can't think of many period. Mm-hmm. And then I can't think of many that are, consistently well received well rated and makes some kind of, well i don't think um kung fu panda makes bank really mm-hmm. but yeah like thinking the only trilogies that come to mind are toy story uh not gonna count shrek because there are like 12 of those movies uh kung fu panda cars uh i really think that's it i can't think of many i mean despicable me three but i checked out at the beginning of despicable me Mm two my last good one is chicken run which i was watching earlier today and it's very good Mm -hmm. i love chicken run i haven't seen it in a while um but i remember i that was one that i definitely watched several times so i feel like i remember it enough but i remember when i watched a bug's life for the podcast thinking, huh, this seems kind of like Chicken Run. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think I watched A Bug's Life first, but they definitely have some similarities. But I really, really enjoyed Chicken Run. I haven't seen it in a minute, but I really, I remember growing up watching it, uh, I really loved the animation. Like, the animation kind of, like, claymation type of thing, especially with Yeah, it's another stop motion. Yeah, like, especially with their little feet in the mud mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, like, when they skid, there's actually, like, a huge pit, like, where they skid and stuff. Like, it's it's cool as hell. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, I think when I was growing up, I didn't want to watch this movie. Like, I wasn't interested. I had mm-hmm. no interest at all because I wasn't a fan of uh, Wallace and Gromit or, you know, any of that, the output from that studio. So mm-hmm. when I, I grew up and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. My only stop motion exposure being Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach. Right. Uh, That's a good movie too. It, is James and the Giant Peach DreamWorks? No, it's it's Disney. Okay. It is? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's produced Was it by under um, Touchstone? Yes. I think it was under the company. I think it was under the company that did Nightmare Before Christmas, but not that, Touchstone. Oh, I thought Nightmare was Touchstone. Nightmare was Touchstone, but the same people that made Nightmare made James and the Giant Peach, just not for Touchstone. Oh, okay. I think I think Disney just distributed it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's complicated, and I may be completely wrong. Mm, Walt Disney Pictures Allied Filmmakers Skellington Productions Inc. I think Skellington Productions is who I'm thinking of. Maybe. Distributed by Disney, Buena Vista. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Regrouping. 
But yeah, Chicken Run's uh, story, it's very great escape. It's kind of, it's basic, it's kind of a romance between um, Ginger and Rocky. It's, I kind of want to say it's a Han Solo and uh, Princess Leia kind of romance where like obviously they're going to end up together, but they don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. I I did appreciate that. And the characters are very, like it's funny. It's low key funny. It's not like in your face. There there are a lot of jokey jokes. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no, there's not a lot of like gimme humor. Yeah. What do we have for uh, the bad? Her quotes. I don't know that I'm qualified to answer this. So I watched Boss Baby last night. And it's not something I want to see again. (laughs) But I didn't think it was bad. But I think Tori disagrees. I actually have Boss Baby under my what the fuck. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's, That's me too. Yeah. I don't have we anything say, under my bad right now, but Boss Baby is definitely under what the fuck. We can we can say Boss Baby for what the fuck, but both of my bads are coincidentally the lowest rated DreamWorks movies according to Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Shrek the Third, which is the second worst. First of all, holy shit. How could you... Is that the one with the cat? Technically, yes. Second, right? Puss in Boots gets introduced in the second one, but he's an actual, like, full-on real main character, character in mm-hmm. uh, the third one. This is the one where they introduce basically Justin Timberlake as a character, as, like, an heir to the king, to, oh, the, to right. the kingdom, because Shrek doesn't want to be king. Yeah. Right, this is when, um, isn't, is it this one when they're, when, like, the fairy godmother's son gets involved, or is that forever after? That's also Shrek 2. What the shit? Okay. Yeah. They don't. They don't get rid of characters. They just repurpose them for some other shenanigan bullshit. Oh lord! Um, then I don't remember Shrek three, or is this from the this, No, that's Shrek Forever that's After. Okay, cool. Forever then for I just after. don't remember three. <laughs> yeah. So let's be clear that Heather doesn't remember shit about Shrek three. <laughs> that's true. I don't. What is this movie? Shrek the Third. It's basically Shrek. Uh, no, not Shrek. Um. King of Far Far Away dies. Shrek doesn't want to be king, so they have to find King. Ar- they have to find Arthur, who is the next heir. Prince Charming tries to intercept them from finding Arthur, so he can be king. Uh, shenanigans ensue. Uh, Arthur, aka Justin Timberlake, gets to be king. Yeah, I don't remember that movie at all. <laughs> it accentuates the problem. One of the br- main problems with. DreamWorks movies is that the humor is just very lowbrow. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of, like, mm-hmm. fart and easy. poop jokes. Yep. Yes. yes, it's very easy humor. Whereas Shrek was, was lowbrow, but it was smart about it. It was a satire through and through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shrek the Third is just... It aims low. Mm-hmm. It aims so very low. Mm-hmm. I wish I could include this in great trilogies because Shrek Two is so funny. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so it was so great. Yep. Shrek the Third just like shits on all of that goodwill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting because I feel like in trilogies the second one is usually the weakest. Yeah, yeah. Like Aladdin. But I don't really think that's Aladdin's fault. It's no, it's not. I am an Aladdin apologist, so hmm. my opinion may be. I like all three. I just know that the clouded. second one's the weakest, but it's okay. Yeah, because it's still good. True that. And then the lowest rated DreamWorks movie, which is the other one on my bad list, is Shark Tale. Oh, yeah. I remember commercials Wait. on that one. I, I remember the song. That. Wasn't that a Justin Timberlake song? 
No. No? It's, it's a Will Smith movie. Oh, that's what it was. Which, I mean, Will Smith, Jack Black, animated movie, you can't fail mm. on this one. Except you did. <laughs> and what, didn't that come out around the same time as Finding Nemo? Or maybe Finding Nemo? Yes. It came out the year after Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo came out first, I know for sure. Like the thing that the thing that this movie hinges on is pop culture references and fish puns. Uh-huh. And that does not make for a good movie. I was watching a video yeah. earlier about Shark Tale and I agree wholeheartedly that this entire movie could have been done with people above ground mm-hmm. and the only reason it's set underwater is for fish puns. Yeah. Yeah. If there's no part of this movie that Needs couldn't be, be done with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. And like, I mean, again, it's, it's DreamWorks relying on star power. Yeah. Because you have Will Smith, you have Jack Black, Robert De Niro, Renee Zellweger. You have fucking Martin Scorsese as a puffer fish. Wow. <laughs> Seriously. Jeez. And they're mobsters. That's kind of on the nose. <laughs> Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese as mobsters. It's kind of on the nose. You think? Just a little? <laughs> yeah. Only a lot. Oh. Only a lot. Only mostly. I remember I liked this blindly growing up. I was just like, oh no. I remember watching this a lot. Oh, what poor taste you had. Yeah. Yikes, younger Tori. Ooh. I don't think I have a, have enough vocabulary in DreamWorks movies to really have a list of the bad because i think i've just avoided the bad ones yeah oh we're gonna fix that (laughs) yeah that's kind of how i feel i realized that if it's not disney pixar or Leica, i'm not Uh signing up for it unless it looks decent right yeah unless it looks good like if it if it has a big draw i'll i'll be there eventually Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if it's not one of the three aforementioned aforementioned studios I catch it on Netflix like I did Captain Underpants, which was actually better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading the reading uh, the books, comic books, whatever, growing up, and I was like, yeah. Eh. And I was really excited about the movie. And then I think I saw some of the animation or something, and I didn't like the way they animated it, I guess, is the reason why I didn't want to go see it. But now that it's on Netflix, like I'll probably, I'll probably just watch it while it's on there. I think the reason I liked it more than I thought I would is because, yes... I, I grew up well, I grew up reading the books too, of course. That mm-hmm. series is aimed at boys. And uh, having read all those, there are so many Easter eggs for the series in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, good. Like they have yeah, they have shout outs to like the first four books yeah. in the movie. That's good. Awesome. And I think I liked the character designs because I had just watched boss baby the night before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. boss baby looks like every other dreamworks movie yeah yeah like dreamworks character design it's all very similar including when you have a main character who's a who's an animal like kung fu panda to how to train your dragon like all mm-hmm. the character designs look the same yeah feel free to react to both of these but my both of my films for underrated i have are uh, the road to el dorado and ants I loved The Road to El Dorado. Didn't that come out Mm -hmm. at the same time as that one movie that I don't like, Emperor's New Groove? Yes, Road to El Dorado came out the same year as Fantasia 2000, Dinosaur, and The Emperor's New Groove. And I 
loved the road to El Dorado and no one cared and everyone loved the Ember's New Groove and I could not care less. Um, That's funny. I remember really liking the soundtrack to Road to El Dorado. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's it's so under the radar good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elton John's songs in it aren't as good as The Lion King, but they're still pretty decent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go figure. It's Elton John. I I read about how the the whole drama between ants and a bug's life. Uh Uh-huh. Because that was the same... That came out like yeah, the same year, year. Much, right? It came it came out like I think a month before. Yeah. Like they moved ants to before a bug's life just to just to just to have like a one up do yeah. it. Give Disney the finger. And um as much as I appreciate a bug's life now when I look at it, mm-hmm. ants has a better message it has a better um subtext cohesion yeah i think i mean theme it has a better theme because z is an individual in the living in the midst of an ant colony where individuality is stomped out yeah i was thinking hive mind but yeah that yeah that works too and throughout the movie it's him you know being himself being different being an individual Mm -hmm. and affecting change yeah i remember growing up and liking ants more than i think i like bug a bug's life yeah and, and I, like, so I couldn't too. remember why because yeah because like i hadn't, haven't been able to rewatch it in a minute but i just remembered liking ants better than a bug's life i didn't like a bug's life at the time but i liked ants because hey sylvester stallone jennifer lopez names that mm-hmm. i recognize and it's dreamworks's thing and they got me they fucking got <laughs> me <laughs> one thing I, I would probably personally add to the underrated uh, is Rise of the Guardians. Yeah. Because I, really like I, I just love that movie. It's very colorful. The animation's gorgeous. And um, Jack's Icicles, the animation on that is just so gorgeous because you get to see them kind of sprouting out and growing. And, yeah. you know, and the clarity really of them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, color wise, you see just the depth of just dark whatever you know with the villain um but to like negate that you see how bright and fluttery everything is with um the tooth fairy mm-hmm. you know everything is just so gorgeous and like same with same with the easter bunny you know like his his little like world kind of thing it's super colorful too so i don't know i just really liked it and like it was a message just it was a message of just like believe in yourself believe it you know and like you're good, I swear, you know. <laughs> I think Disney, Disney's MO is to give a message, to give kind of a, like, key learning. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not, like, the pass or fail for DreamWorks. Right. Mostly it's comedy. Um, and I thought Rise of the Guardians was such a great focus and mm-hmm. such an interesting story. Like, there's some historical context there. Um, mm-hmm. There's diversity. There, I, th- I thought it was a really well-told kind of diversity story. Mm-hmm. And Santa's Russian. Yeah. Which I thought was, that was... fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think he said, holy Shostakovich. And I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love so going back to like ho- every time I hear um, someone in How to Train Your Dragon say Odin or... Mm-hmm. There was another one. There was something else. Oh, Thor, Thor Almighty. Yes. yes. Thor Almighty. And I every time and like I swear I catch a new one every time I watch it. Um, but it still mm-hmm. catches me. Like ah, that's funny. Yeah. Talking about Rise <laughs> of the Guardians, 
I remember I wasn't really interested and a friend dragged me to see it. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got into it because I liked the idea of Santa and the Easter Bunny and Jack Frost going to battle against, you know, these guys. Mm-hmm. Pitch, I think, by the way, is the villain's name. Okay. I will take your word for it because I do not remember. <laughs> but uh, as a as a kid who grew up on, you know, Ninja Turtles and team cartoons, there was a moment towards the end where, like, they strike a pose as a team. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of, like, The Incredibles, where they strike a pose, mm-hmm. or Ninja Turtles. And I was like, okay, I'm on board. Entertain yeah. me now. Mm-hmm. Even though it was at the end of the movie, like, the movie had me. I could forgive everything that I didn't like beforehand. Because they did a superhero simple. pose. Yes. There was a superhero mm-hmm. pose. There was a group shot. And... um like the characterization of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and I believe the Sandman yes. were very, it was very clever and mm-hmm. it was very creative. Tori, I think this means that if we ever need a photo shoot or thumbnail of the three of us for our podcast, that we have to do a superhero pose in Incredibles spandex. Yeah. Do you really want to put me in spandex? No, but I think it'd be funny. <laughs> That's why I said Fair yes. <laughs> it'd be perfect. Also, your eye makeup is hella on point. Thank you. Let's talk about El Dorado for a second. How like adult this movie was. It's clear that Tulio is actually getting some in this kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like <laughs> seriously, Chell might have been a streetwalker. <laughs> you never know. Like, she was a woman of opportunity, and she worked it. <laughs> okay. Also, I kind of have a crush on Rosie Perez, because she's, uh, she's in this new show, uh, Rise, on NBC. Uh-huh. With um, Josh Radnor. The, like, Rise, I'm going off on a tangent, Rise is crazy. It's produced by, uh, it's from the producers of Hamilton and Friday Night Lights. Oh, and it stars. I love Friday Night Lights. Right? So hard. And it stars uh, Josh Radnor, Rosie Perez, Moana. <gasps> that. I was trying to figure it out from the previews. I was like, who is that? She is so familiar. And at first, yes. at first I thought it was the girl from Pitch Perfect, but no, it's Moana. Oh, not her. That's not uh, Haley Steinfeld. I'm glad she moved on to do something else as well. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't know how I feel about the show, but it's it's basically a cross between Friday Night Lights, High School Musical, and Glee, and that is an insane combination. Yeah, I'm just I'm really interested to see where it goes from there because it, it looks like it's had a lot of potential. But uh, moving on, yeah, mm-hmm. Road Del Dorado is it has a lot of adult themes, and I'm surprised they got away with so much. Yep. Especially having Chell walk around in what Chell is walking around in for the entire thing. <laughs> she's wearing slightly less than Jasmine, though, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. And she's thick. Mm-hmm. Two Cs. Uh, damn Tori. <laughs> she is. Mm-hmm. Jasmine is not. P.S. I get to meet Jasmine in two weeks. Yeah. What do you mean? Going to uh, Fan Expo Dallas mm-hmm. and the voice of... Um, Meg, Belle, Jasmine, and Ariel will be there. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, now that we've been through the underrated, the bad, and the good, let's get to the what the fuck 
DreamWorks movies. Okay, did we all watch Boss Baby? I did. I haven't been able to, no. I did. What the fuck? (laughs) So many questions I have about goddamn Boss Baby. I mean, I don't hate it. I really didn't hate it. But, wow. I didn't hate it either. But if I never see any part of this movie ever again, I will be completely fine. Yeah. Like, if I never hear the words Boss Baby ever again, I will die happy. Did you listen to the We Hate Movies podcast about episode on that one? No. Oh, yes, I did. Good. No. That's very say? good. They were just, they just had all the questions I had. Like, at the end of the movie, like, the baby just... Like, he just pieces out because he, he's completed his mission. Right, yeah. And then the parents just get, you know, men in black, their memories get erased. Uh-huh. This tells you something about me and Tori. Tori goes to men in black first. I go to Harry Potter first. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I think the guys were in, no, they were in hazmat suits, so that's fair. But, yeah, I was thinking the entire movie, clearly this baby is about to piece out. Once the mission, his, you know, they foil the bad guy once they're done. How are the parents going to forget that they had a baby? Well, okay. One, she was pregnant. Like, they brought up the conversation of having a baby. And she was pregnant when that conversation happened. Yes. All of a sudden. And I I acknowledge that they drifted between fantasy, like, his fantasy and reality very fluidly but yeah i feel like i feel like his appearance of scene was not was not as realistic i feel like with this movie that someone got really distracted halfway through because they set up how active timmy's imagination is and yes his name is actually timmy my subtitles kept correcting it to timothy whatever his name was tim they set up how overactive his imagination is and i think Okay, all of this is going to turn out to be in his imagination right before the baby's born. Uh-huh. But no, it's all real. Yep. What? The baby is talking to him. The whole. Sorry to spoil this whole thing for you, Heather. Don't be sorry. I don't really plan on seeing it. <laughs> She's definitely not <laughs> That's now. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> like the whole bullshit with him being from Baby Core, who's trying to stop puppies from being cute. Because there's not a love, there's not enough love to go around. Lol, I did that's kinda... not possible. Next, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I did kind of appreciate the uh, the whole is there enough love to go around? I guess theme that they had going on. I get that for the oh, kids. I was talking about puppies. Puppies will always be cute. Even the ugliest puppies are still fucking adorable. <laughs> and I love the low key. I feel like this is a low key jab at millennials who aren't having kids anymore, but are so proud to say that they're dog and cat parents. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I kind of love that that shot at millennials. Because, yeah, shit's expensive, guys. Don't nobody want to have kids expensive. right now. Shit's expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't even have Coming student three millennials. Kids are too expensive for my budget. <laughs> Word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just a lot of this movie is just what the fuck. And I feel like it could have been, if it was all in his imagination... It would have been fine if it would have been all real and it would have been like the Rugrats and the parents are just dumb and oblivious, which is kind of what we get a little bit. Mm -hmm. It would have been fine. But they kind of want to have their cake and eat it, too, with a shot of what the fuck. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of what the fuck in this. 
Victoria, what did you get in this? I got a lot of what the fuck in this. <laughs> yes, I um I watched this yesterday and I was glad I had alcohol in my hand. <laughs> oh, like yeah. I would have been Maybe very I'll watch it. <laughs> I would have been very disappointed. We can make we can make a drunken Disney for that. <laughs> that can be the one. The only way to get through it. <laughs> but yeah, I it really it really wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. Um it wasn't like Home on the Range. Not even close. Oh, it's been God. a minute since we mentioned Home on the Range. It, it, it has been a minute. Um, yeah, it has. I honestly forgot the name of it for a while. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? What is that? What is that? <laughs> movie? Yeah. I honestly can't say which one I would rather watch. Oh, 100% Boss Baby. Yeah, I think I think Boss Baby's a hate watch. Or, okay, it depends. If you're, like, if you have to watch it by yourself, Boss Baby. But if you get to expose other people to one and you have to watch them watch it then totally home on the range because you need to share that pain with other people <laughs> yeah uh, just what what the fuck and I think the fact that this was nominated for best animated feature made me go what the fuck even more I mean what wasn't nominated I think when we consider that like there has there has to be a certain number of nominees um, so how many make the cut and how many don't? You know? It's usually five. Other years it's been three. But in recent years, people have been like, they're pushing it to get to five. I can't remember the fifth one, but this year it was Coco, Boss Baby, Ferdinand, uh, The Breadwinner, which I have to finish on Netflix. And I can't remember the fifth one. And we, we talked about it uh, previously that like Breadwinner was, I think, the threat to Coco. And then these other two, sorry, these other three no-name films were just like, what? Mm-hmm. And watching, and everybody was like, are you serious? Boss Baby? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on? The other two films that come to mind that I feel like could have been nominated over Boss Baby were Captain Underpants and Cars 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand not wanting to nominate two Pixar films because, I mean, that's completely understandable. Right. And plus, Coco is the better movie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I would rather watch Captain Underpants, despite the many problems that Captain Underpants has. Yeah. And there are there are a lot of them. Boss Baby is just... What? Mm. Like, what is this? What did I just watch? Yeah. And then the other, the other what-the-fuck movie that I had that I'm not going to go into at all is B-Movie. Because this sentence, woman gets attracted to a bee. What the hell? Oh, I forgot it even existed. Yeah. Not going to go into that. Don't watch B-Movie or do. Make <laughs> sure you have a drink in your hand. <laughs> okay, so Drunken Disney? Drunken DreamWorks. Come on. Die. Yeah. Shit. Okay, so <laughs> Drunken DreamWorks? I feel like Shrek is the go-to for this one. As much as I love How to Train Your Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon almost deserves the respect of a sober experience. Or boss baby. With the hand gestures and everything. <laughs> it deserves respect. <laughs> respect it. Does not need a drinking game. <laughs> um, okay, so for Shrek, anytime there's a reference to a Disney movie. Yeah. Anytime someone says donkey. Anytime a song starts. Anytime a song starts, I feel like that's a solid rule. Cool beans. I feel like that's a that would be a really. I almost want to do that now. Like that would be a really solid drinking game. 
That'd be a really fun game. Really easy. Take it's a shot when along, uh, All-Star starts. Uh, yeah, right. Along the lines of uh, Finding Nemo, like really solid, easy rules to remember. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo. Go us. I like it. This was interesting. Maybe we could do a separate episode for Laika, but I doubt it because this was... What are Laika movies? Coraline, Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings. I haven't even heard of that one. Corpse Bride? Not Corpse Bride. Okay. Laika has literally, like, I think less than five films. Mm-hmm. We could do Tim Burton. We could just talk about other animation studios. What Tori hasn't told you is that we're probably going to end up doing a Marvel thing after this. <laughs> Once we're all said and done with Disney. Remember, this is an April Fool's episode, so anything I say is kind of, you know. It's not admissible in court. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen any trailer for the new uh, movie called Isle of Dogs? No. Nope. And I had to find this out on Twitter that if you say it slowly, it's I love dogs. What? I don't. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney versus hashtag it DreamWorks versus if you have a comment to make about us. On Twitter at DisneyVS. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review and let us know how we're doing. I'm taking breaks because I'm, like, the cross-pollination of DreamWorks Versus is messing up the plugs in my head. (laughs) Even though it's not a real thing. I'm not making a separate Facebook page for DreamWorks Versus. So just use the hashtag DreamWorks Versus if you want to talk shit about us talking shit or praising anything that we've done today um you can also follow us on google play music where you can give us 12 and a half dragons of 11 or 10 of 10 yeah and let us know what uh i don't know do the thing 12 and a half dragons (laughs) (laughs) this was interesting (laughs) probably not gonna do this again because i don't know (laughs) april fools yeah happy april fools happy spring Happy april fools I think this comes out on Easter, too, because April Fool's is also Easter, which is so weird. LOL. Psych? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Best best practical joke Jesus ever played. Oh. Thanks for listening. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>